Ladies and gentlemen, this is a very big day of Rapid Results episode 50, and this would not be possible without today's guest, Chris Kremitzos. He is actually the founder of PodFest Expo, and the reason why I even have a podcast today along with several other thousand creators and podcasters around the world. And in case you're wondering a little bit about who this Chris Kremitzos guy, besides this guy with the Greek last name, he is a renowned figure in the tech and podcasting industry, and he's left an indelible mark with his groundbreaking achievements. Not only has he shattered world records with his global podcasting event, but he's also pioneered the first of its kind blockchain events. He's a thought leader who consistently pushes boundaries, having twice etched his name in the Guinness World Records for hosting the world's largest virtual podcasting event in one week. And his journey into the world of dedication to his community has transformed the PodFest Multimedia Expo into an international phenomenon, benefiting countless creators around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Chris Kermitzos. Chris, tell us what is the biggest and best deal you are most proud of? Uh, probably delivering my second daughter, um, my mother-in-law and I, delivering her uh, when Katie was in labor in the house because we couldn't make it out of the house. So that was the, one of the biggest deals um, ever. And being in the room for the first one, especially. Uh, as far as business, probably putting on the 2020 PodFest before the lockdowns came around, it was the most nerve wracking and scariest time I've ever had in the most relieving time after we were done. And, you know, everybody was safe. This was, you know, at the time, not knowing what was coming, but knowing it was scary. So that was that was one of the most relieving, but also taught me to focus on what you have control over. And it was a it was a big learning lesson as a human being. How many people were at that 2020 event? Just south of 2000. Um, it was a big event um, and people were coming from all over. But also, as you can imagine, it was so close to the lockdowns. People are also canceling in real time. So it was just a very weird time. Um, we didn't know what was about to happen. But we all had ideas. No, that's so cool being at the uh, peak of the mountain, and, and then obviously, uh, obviously, the, the lockdown shut down a lot of businesses. It broke a lot of spirits, but the fact that it made you stronger and want to do a virtual event and uh, going to break two Guinness World Records—that's that, so incredible. Uh, I'm curious. So you have you have a TV background, you have an events background. Tell us, what do you wish you knew earlier when it comes to taking life by the horns? Like you've always been gung ho about things, it seems, but t tell us uh, more about that. I would say I was just a really good manifester. Like I, I, I've always been good at visualizing what it is I want to create or build. And then I was really good at stepping into it, taking action and living into that vision. So um, I developed that skill by going for walks as a, as a kid and thinking out loud literally talking to myself and visualizing. So I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I just knew I liked doing it and it was vivid. But at the time, what I was doing was reinforcing my subconscious mind and selling myself a vision of what I wanted. And that is something that has served me really well. Since I've had kids and I've gotten older, you have to really carve that time out uh, to do that and to keep that focus. Because if you don't, uh, negativity could creep in and self-doubt and all these different things. So it's something that I've learned to always do. And if I notice that I'm slipping, it's something I have to do more of. No, I, I love that. I think people forget um, how simple and how important it is to take a walk. 
was there a specific uh, moment or manifestation where you're like, oh my gosh, this thing actually works where all I have to do is walk and manifest in it and it works? <laughs> well, I also took a lot of action after I was visualizing it. So in order to manifest, you got to take a lot of action towards that um, journey, even if you're scared. So I would say in my late 20s, I started realizing I, um, what I was doing unconsciously and how it worked out in my life. And uh, at that time, you know, the the movie The Secret came out and a lot of things people could understand what was happening. And when you put the puzzle pieces together, I realized from an early age of even eight or nine, I was doing little things like that, uh, which were helping me and serving me well uh, throughout my life. Well, that makes sense. And, uh, and thank you again for clarifying that, that it's more than just manifesting. It's a lot of action. <laughs> and uh, for those who don't know, Chris, I'm working together the past three years and it's a lot of work too. You don't just get to sit around and uh, <laughs> think all day, unfortunately. Um, so obviously grown one of the largest communities in, in the world when it comes to podcasting and, and uh, helping create these, uh, yeah, these wonderful, really families. What do most people get wrong when it comes to growing their communities and followings? They don't listen. So a lot of people assume that I create something and the community shows up and follows what I create. Uh, we listen very carefully to the community. We take note in their feedback. We listen to what their needs are. Obviously there's things that we think we need to implement because we know through our experience, but a lot of it is collaborative. So what we're doing is navigating and crowdsourcing information within the community to better serve that community. And then within that, finding leaders to lead the charge because uh, a small team like we have can't fulfill every request. But if you find the wisdom in the community and the leaders within that community and ask them for help, they not only rise up and service what is needed, they help you grow the community by bringing other amazing people along uh, the fold. So I would just say one of the key things to communities, one, never judge it by its size. So a lot of people don't realize PodFest started with 13 people at a meetup at, at a Mimi's Cafe. And then over time, we've grown into the thousands, but we didn't care if there was 100 people, 11 people or 13 people. We're having a good time throughout and uh, making sure to listen to the feedback and also understanding what feedback not to listen to. There are some people that complain about everything all the time throughout <laughs> their entire lives. So you also have to have an acute listening to understand, OK, that person no matter what you do, they're just, they're a person that will always find what bothers them in a situation. Um, they are good people to have around if you want to know, like hey, if something bothered you, see if it bothered them because they always are looking at that. But you wanna you wanna have people that could give you really good, well-rounded feedback and you gotta pay attention to the signals from certain people in your community that could give you really good feedback. Yeah, is there a way to, seek that out of uh, what's considered good feedback and what's considered okay they're just complaining <laughs> is there way to differentiate? We, we produce our community virtually and in person we have you know we do a virtual event once a year and in person once once a year um in person there's a couple things uh doing this as long as i've done that's really important in person if you're if you're done with like the education part and people run out of the room it wasn't as valuable as you might think doesn't mean it wasn't valuable. It's just if people stay after a presenter's done to mingle or linger, there's an energetic thing that happened during that presentation where they feel like um, uh, there's something there. So I watch those things. Obviously, we send out surveys after and uh, sometimes even during events. You want to do that. Um, 
Some other telltale signs on gathering information is asking your team, correlating what they saw, what they didn't see, your volunteers, asking people, you know, sometimes someone can't relate what to do better, but they can relate what they heard. That's very important to me. So I used to have a friend, oh, I have a friend that's a valet and he knows when a Broadway show does well because he works outside of performing arts. When someone leaves a performing arts, that's when they're telling the truth from the time they walk out of there to their car. So if you have volunteers that are stationed throughout your event, always ask them, what did people say? And mm. I, I don't, and you've seen this, I don't ask them to interpret what they said. I, I want to know exactly what did you hear? And then from there, you could piece together really honest feedback in real time. And I love that idea. Just like having strategically placed volunteers just kind of sit there and listen. And uh, and my wife, Salisha, she just got done with a uh, Broadway show. And the, the writer for the show, it was doing things like that, where every uh, intermission and bathroom break, he'd just be hanging out in the lobby by himself, pretending like he's just looking at the ceiling. And Salisha would be like, what's he doing? And she's like, ah, she, he's listening. <laughs> listening for feedback. So I, I love that. Um, and tell us, uh, what do most people, um, need to understand about what are the most important components for events to be successful just in, in general? Um, great education, great networking. Um, and if you have vendors, a great vendor, you know, expo hall experience, if you have those three things. So, um, I, I have learned that the connecting of the attend, if you're looking to build a community, so I want to be very clear, there's people that want to sell their products and their focus is not building a community, even though they'll tell you they want to build a community. Their focus is I want to sell a thousand dollar product and I have a hundred people and they have a whole metric and that's okay. But if someone truly wants to build a community, you have to build in networking breaks. You have to figure out ways to connect your attendees, some kind of networking exercises. And then if you have sponsors, uh, breaks with the sponsors and, and utilizing that. So finding a way to marry all those. And then outside, I'm an education junkie. So I'm the kind of person that could sit there, take notes, see a hundred different speakers, take, take a nugget from each one. And I'm excited and happy. And I could go home, say that was a great event. There's half of the audience wants a great social and a social is a party after the event's done. <laughs> Who doesn't so, want a party? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so if you don't, you don't, and, and a lot of people are like, well, I don't have the funds. Or sometimes it could be as simple as, hey, we're all hanging out at this place after the event. Meet us out here, and assigning a place where everybody could let off steam. One of the most popular things at Podfest is Howl at the Moon, which is a dueling piano bar. We've done it now for the last few years. We bust people out there, but even if we told them, hey, meet up there, I think our attendees would still have a great time uh, without having to, you know, cater to them. Um, Karaoke is fun. Th those those are those are community builders, and the reason why that's important, that's where people and energy calibrates, and people meet people like themselves, and they create connections, and then they sync up to meet back next year at your event, and pro pro probably bring friends to literally hang out at that social event. And sometimes that might be the proposition that gets them in for the next year's event. That's such a interesting thought. Cause I, I never thought about how important that is. That and that uh, that really is a thing that when you meet and meet people, the same people, multiple locations, you kind of go through these time loops where you feel more and more bonded, like the more and more experiences and locations you've been through together. Um, and so you, you said you've been using that strategy from the very beginning that no matter what kind of event you're hosting, you're making sure that the attendees are 
meeting multiple patients together somehow? Well, we remember I've done a lot of events. So in, in a previous community we had, which was a group of business owners, I never did socials because I saw no value in them because I don't drink. So I'm mm -hmm. a teetotaler. So for me, it's like, what's a big deal having a drink at the bar? But I didn't realize uh, after the main event, we'd all go down to the bar and hang out at Shula's, which was a steakhouse. And one of the members said, why don't you do a social once a year so all of us could get together? And I go, what, what would the education be? He goes, there would be no education. We would just <laughs> no education. It's so foreign <laughs> for me. So I would hang out after an educational event because I could understand that. Everybody's excited. Let's all meet up. I, I And I remember um, it was in July. And within two weeks notice, I created Christmas in July with a taste of tequila. <laughs> it was really cool. I learned about acronyms and, you know, having things that flow and, we got over 110 people in one week's time during, it was July 25th uh, or something like that. It was around there. And um, it opened my eyes. And this one member that uh, recommended it would re-up every year and he would only come to one event every year. So he paid a membership dues just to come to one event. So that's when I would say I, that exposed my uh, thinking to socials. PodFest from its inception has always had socials after hours. Uh, because of that learning lesson early on when in another community of the importance of, of socializing with each other after hours. Yeah, that, that, that's so interesting. And so that member who paid for the whole year to only go to one event, would that be the social event? <laughs> yeah, correct. But I, I was shocked. I was like, I was like, are you, I even asked him, sure you want to renew? You haven't come to anything. He goes, no, no, I, I renewing because you have that social. Mm. So then we obviously created many more um social activities and then we even created like a, a networking event where there was very little to no education just everybody hung out and just shared who they were and hung out you know at a at a cool place so it just goes to show you how important uh everything is in interactions now as far as emotional stacking people at multiple venues within a day um that's that's just how events flow and that is a big thing because if you've met someone in five different venues within 36 hours. It's almost like you've known them for like a year. Yeah. But it all happened in 36 hours. So that does happen. And I have seen that in today's world, your generation, especially most people meet online and they network online. So when they're in person, that holds even more weight than during my, you know, my up and coming because everything was in person for the most part. No, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and so I'm curious too, like if you were to be like a director of events too, like if you're, if there's already like a social gathering, would you encourage them to test out education? And of course, if it's like an education gathering, it sounds like you'd encourage them to do vice versa, or is it, is it only uh, go one way or another essentially? I mean, last year we did uh, our pod tour in New York city and Lee Wehara, amazing host, hosted us at a co-work place. And after we said to everybody, let's go. It was in Times Square. We go, let's go take a group shot and then let's go to the pub. I'll tell you what, the pub solidified everything that happened in that <laughs> room earlier. And if you ask me what was more important, the, the education or the pub, in that instance, they're both so integral in each other. I don't think the pub would be as rich if we didn't just spend three hours with, you know, how many speakers in a cramped little room, right? It's New York City. It's like a tight room, 50 people. Yeah, so I, I think it both enriching each other and, and maybe if you want a, you know, a heavy social, having maybe a, a speaker share five or 10 tips for 10 minutes before everybody networks. Um, what I've noticed is people uh, connect around commonalities. 
So if you had someone say, hey, where did you grow up and where do you live now? Because most people have moved. I would say like 80 percent people, very few people live where they grew up. But, you know, they're, they're like a, a third maybe or a fourth of the people. Um, and then you ask them to share maybe their birthday or their uh, what do you call it? The signs, you know, Capricorn, whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Astrology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe a piece of the business advice. A lot of people would think that the the uh, where you grew up, where you live now, birthday and astrology sign is a weird thing. But what happens is the birthdays group up because they're like, hey, I'm September birthday commonality number one or or in a room of 50. There's going to be a couple of people that have the same birthday. So they bond right away. Um, the the astrology stuff, people bond over that. Even the people that say they don't believe in it, they know about it. You know, there's something <laughs> yeah. it. It's a conversation starter. And then, um, you know, if you give them a business thing or tell me about your podcast or tell me about your show, that's another commonality. So what that does is it creates a hyper bond very quickly just off of three very simple questions that you're asking. Because if I know you grew up in your West Coast, but now you live East Coast, I might have a sports team or college team that you might know. There's a lot of things that people could create commonalities or I know what kind of microphone you use, you know, in a podcasting setting. So you just got to think about the, the the group that you're dealing with and what the commonalities might be. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I know the listeners are wondering. So, so your September birthday, what, what is your astrology sign for September 23rd? I'm a Libra, but it depends on what charts, but I, I would say Libra. for the most. <laughs> You would say Libra. I like it. Well, <laughs> it's you, not, charts has scorpio i think i'm not sure but um libra for the most uh most of them and i was born on the fall equinox which i like the day of equal light and equal dark mm, interesting you're things very get balanced cool around that day meaning not not necessarily daytime but at night things cool down because the earth shifts very cool i love it so tell us uh recently uh, you've been a, you've uh, enjoyed and, and have been obsessed with the quote uh, consistent discipline um and so obviously uh for those listening in we're coming on podfest 10 year anniversary chris and i both got our podfest shirts on i got the 2024 he has 2023 i'm uh, the past in the future yes and so it's happening january 25th to 28th in Wyndham, orlando we'd love for you to be there but uh, this is 10 years in the making and or 10 events in the making. And so Chris, tell us, what, what does it take to have that consistent discipline to be able to do this for 10, 10 events, 10 years? It's, it's very difficult and <laughs> it's very trying, especially with COVID thrown in the middle of those 10 years. So it's very rewarding. I'm very grateful to have people like yourself that are uh, work on the team, Wendy, of course. It's just, um, you gotta be stubborn. You gotta be consistent. Um, uh, what was the two words? Uh, it was consistent discipline, right? Mm -hmm. or, I would say I'm not as disciplined the last few years as I can be. So I'm, um, that really resonated with me. Like you really got to be disciplined, but consistent. I, 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 for the most part, you could count on Podfest being consistent. Um, it's been a difficult road, a very rewarding road. And it's been amazing to see so many people connecting and transforming um, sharing stories and coming back, seeing growth stories that very few people see across um, the globe, really, because people from all over the world show up through our doors, whether it be virtually or in person. So it's been an amazing feat to close in at um, the 10, 10 year mark. Yeah. And so how how have you been able to stay consistent? And uh, I know you said you would be better at discipline. I'm sure we could all be better at discipline. But what has been that 
that motivating factor or your, your methods to help, help stay consistent for everything? Well, I feel a, a great sense of responsibility to people in general. So with PodFest, I feel like PodFest is not mine or yours or anyone's. I feel like it, the community owns the event. So that is very easy to feel uh, responsibility for the quality of the event because I see what what we do at PodFest is a privilege. And the privilege is people entrust us with their time, their money, and uh, time away from their families to be with us as creators. So that creates a huge sense of responsibility in me to make sure that we do the best we can with the resources we have to create an outsized experience for our attendees, uh, our community. So I would say that's that's one. And two, I, I've always been very consistent with my communities. Um, I enjoy it. I mean, I still do the Florida Podcast Association every month in Tampa. People always ask me, how do you get 20, 30, 40 people there? It's like, we haven't really missed, uh, even during COVID, we were doing via Zoom and then we came back out live events. So we're just we're just consistent in, in our in our delivery. And I guess if you're passionate about something, it's easy to be consistent about it. And uh, for this next question, like maybe you have a rough estimate, maybe you don't, but obviously the fact that PodFest started with just uh, 13 people meeting up at Mimi's Cafe, um, I know a lot of those 13 people have become full-time content creators. Um, and, and so, and obviously it's thanks to you, it's thanks to the PodFest and the shows that uh, you actually do know what you're talking about. PodFest does actually know how to help people. Um, from that uh, group of 13 and maybe group of the first 100 for the first ever PodFest, do you have an estimate how many people you're able to turn into full-time content creators that after they attended the event? I, I don't know about full-time, uh, quite a few on the full-time side, but I know we've helped uh, start a few thousand podcasts through, because you know we have the event, but when we did Pod Global during COVID, I mean, we were bringing in six to 7,000 people through those doors. I know the the way they counted the numbers was much lower because the Guinness World Record had so many different stipulation of what counts. But we had, um, you know, collectively all those virtual events had I think uh, something like 20 or 30,000 people come through our doors. So we've helped people all over the world and it's very rewarding. And I can tell you though, it is interesting to watch someone go from an idea to a podcast to then you email them and they have an autoresponder and they're like, hey, I'll get back to you. Uh, you know, here's, if you have these requests, here's where you go. And then you have to, hey, I have a gatekeeper then they'll have an agent. And I'm really proud of the fact that I've seen so many people grow from an idea to a full-time creator. Um, it's it's an amazing thing to watch. And it's it's a very fulfilling thing knowing that you helped an independent creator get out there and create something beautiful. Well, and uh, I want to highlight uh, one example of that creator is uh, the incredible Katie Kremitzo. <laughs> the, the the wife of Chris, you're able to help turn her into a, a full-time creator. Um, and, and so tell us uh, from uh, the husband, your, your side of you, how you helped her kind of go from A to B. I, I know uh, a member, I think it was a podcast, another story she was talking about how just to do her first podcast, she was crying because she didn't think she could handle doing it. And now she's passed, what, 120 million downloads now? Uh, uh, quite a few. So the... Um... <laughs> Katie is her own, she's her own planet. She's an amazing woman. Um, I was able to have a small piece in it, but part of it was we would do weekly strategies around what her goals were, how we could grow the show, how we could invest. So 
um, a lot of times I'll, I'll talk to people about their podcast and the one thing they don't want to do is invest money. They'll say, I don't really want to spend money or I don't really want to put too much money into it. We saw the podcast uh, as an opportunity to reach as many people as we can. And we saw it as a privilege to set aside money and invest in the growth of her podcast. And I was able to help put a marketing plan and growth plan, but her content is just phenomenal. So it's very easy to market. And that was able to help us go from a very small audience to a global audience. And she, you know, has people that she works with that represent her. And it's been an amazing experience to watch her go full circle from just her to a whole team of people and, you know, 17 shows across her network. So she does the Women's Meditation Network full time. There's nothing else that she does. And it's very fulfilling to watch the emails and the responses she gets from women all over the world. That's that's incredible. And and what was that timeline from her creating her first podcast episode to be able to say, I'm able to do this full time and be a full time content creator? Well, she already had one when we first started. She started Biz Women Rock, which was for uh, business women. And I did the marketing on that. So it took about three years. But that really I had another community I was running and that paid the bills. And then shortly thereafter, around three years, Biz Women Rock started bringing in quite a bit of income. So she was a full time business consultant helping women all over. Wow. And then she did that for quite a few years and then she stopped it, which people were shocked because, I mean, she was really well known for it. Yeah. And she created the Women's Meditation Network. And that has that took about two years before that was like really going uh, producing some huge um, results. And the reason is we invested quite a bit of money to support the marketing and getting the brand and the name out there. And the reason is. I see it from the business perspective. A podcast to us is not just something, if you want to take it seriously, it's something that we, we knew that we, we were serious about it. She was serious about it and something we wanted to market and grow. And um, that's what she did. Oh, I love it. And, and uh, do, you, do you have an estimate? What do you think it'll pass a, a billion downloads? Are you guys shooting for within two years, within three years? Any uh, goals on that? It's interesting. The first hundred thousand takes like forever. Then a million is quicker. Then ten millions quicker. Then a hundred millions quicker. Um, I don't know when a billion will happen, but I know that you know probably in another two hundred million is not too far off. Um, but you know that that being said, she started with one amazing download, and she just focused on it, and she expanded on it, and she grew. She listened to the audience, so. If, if anyone's wondering, like, how did that even happen? She started with one show, Meditation for Women, and she then expanded it to Sleep Meditation for Women, Morning Meditation for Women, and then she just kept expanding her universe to own that space and deliver amazing meditations for women all over the world. No, I love it. I love it. And uh, the entrepreneurs and small business owners and uh, people listening into, like, uh, the fact that you and Katie, you know, you get to be called a power couple. You're both doing amazing things, amazing entrepreneurs, raising kids. Tell us what, what that's like of how you and Katie navigate uh, the teamwork of raising family and uh, growing, growing a business together. Well, yeah. Yeah. So that's very, that that's very challenging and difficult. Um, we do the best that we can, but our two girls come first. I would say Katie is an amazing parent and I'm catching up. So I'm learning from her. Um, one of the things that I try and be home for dinner time, make sure I'm there with the girls when they're doing homework. Um, and, and you know, uh, daddy-daughter dates is very, very important to each girl, uh, as well as play dates with friends in the neighborhood. So we're very 
active on the weekends. Um, as you know, I, I usually don't do work on the weekends. It's a policy. And then on the weekdays when I'm in town, I like um, either picking up the girls or spending time with them. Uh, every parent knows there's dinner time, bath time, you know, bedtime, story time. And then in the morning, kids go to school really early. So you got to be up first thing in the morning and be ready for them. And luckily for me, we trade off. Katie does the mornings because I'm not a morning person and I'll help support at night. So that, that, that's the trade-off you guys have is that, uh, yeah, Katie does the mornings and early afternoons. You do uh, early evenings, rest of the evenings. That, that's the teamwork Katie you guys does do. a lot more, um, but I do my best to make sure, yeah, that I could support and uh, pick up the kids and, um, you know, be with them after hours. And then when Katie needs a break, you know, uh, I'm, I'm there. So I'll take the kids and she could work. So it's a balance, but it's it's being in constant communication. There's times when the flow is really great. And then guess what? There's two week vacations or there's summer vacation. Then you have to recalibrate. So it's an ongoing um, calibration. But the main thing is to be present with the kids because they're the ones that see if you're present and listening to them. So I like um, learning who their friends are, what's going on in class. And they'll tell you if you listen, they'll tell you all kinds of stuff um, without judgment. And then just understand, you know, my youngest. There was a time when she's like, hey, I don't like so and so. <laughs> and they're not nice to me. And at first you're like, oh man, my daughter's getting bullied. But then you realize like something's going on. Like she might've pushed that kid and then they weren't nice to her. So you got to get the full story. So now we know to ask clarifying questions. Um, <laughs> Is that what ended up happening? Reason why another kid wasn't nice to them? No, I don't, I don't, we don't know. We just know that it goes both ways. Whereas yeah. the old, if something happens, you want to check out what happened. Cause she's a little, She's a, she's a different soul than the younger one. That's all. They're all kids are different. So you got to calibrate to your kid. <laughs> of course. Well, that makes sense. I, I like that, that, uh, seeing what's going on first. Um, and so tell us, uh, so after you and, and Katie had kids, how, how did that affect, um, your, your, your business and, and your relationship? Like, tell us how you, uh, navigated, uh, you know, obviously before kids and after kids, essentially. Well, the, first business that I owned was a community, but I would be out pretty much every night of the week um, doing events, almost always. So I didn't turn off work till like 9 p.m. at night. And I didn't, I enjoyed it. So I didn't even realize it was happening. So when we were getting ready to have our first daughter, I actually sold that company because I just, I, it wasn't even like the family stuff. It was just, I was ready. There's a lot of things that aligned right. Uh, and then I had a tough time. The, the first two years of Sedona's life, I had a tough time because I sold it to a gentleman that then unfortunately didn't have an easy time running it. And he, he was not running that business properly. So I, I stepped back in to help. Um, and then I transitioned when Sedona's was about two years and then I started really revving up PodFest. Um, and I was able to be more present because with PodFest, it's a yearly event. And there's other things that, you know, I was doing consulting in the early years to make up for the difference in income. So all I could tell you is it's always been a balancing act. What I've learned now is when I'm home with the girls, you want to be present with them. You want to ask them questions. If they want to talk to you, great. If they don't, just be present. And eventually they'll open up and tell you everything going on. Um, so it's been a, a great blessing. And then I'm very fortunate to have a friend that lives down the street with two girls, almost the same age as my two girls. So sometimes we'll do daddy, you know, daughter uh, walk around the neighborhood dates where we just all go and give the mom some some downtime to do what they need to do. 
No, it makes sense. So, so it's good, good teamwork with Katie communicating. And then, uh, and I like what you said too. It just like, obviously you guys wanted kids. So you had to, um, adjust the business accordingly to help, help make that happen. So that's, uh, awesome to hear. Um, so going back into, obviously you've been doing events for a long time. You've met with, uh, thousands of people. Um, tell us a little bit about besides just being, besides just like using experience books and resources that really helped you read people the best books and resources um that helped me read people the best yes okay um honestly the best resource for that was running 2000 events and meeting people in person and learning from each interaction so I, I've developed a, a very good emotional IQ. So um, by seeing thousands of situations play out, I've been able to, to hone in and read crowds or individuals. As far as books, um, I enjoy uh, the relationship books I like are like the five love languages. There's one called The Way of the Superior Man. There's a lot of different things. Um, and that one just talks about, you know, energy and how, how there's different kinds of energies. There's another book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. For whatever reason, by Stephen Covey, I always come back to that one. It just has so many good things or Michael Gerber E-Myth. And the reason why those books are so good, they're written in situationals. Like they, they have case studies like a, with real life examples. So you learn about human behavior and how people act. But I, I would say the the majority of my interactions, and you know this because you helped me, we see a lot of weird behavior when you're doing events. Mm -hmm. When you're dealing with thousands of people, so for instance, when I was doing smaller events, and my events would be 100 people, let's say it would be a big event for the month, and the smaller events were 10 to 20 or 30. Um, when you're dealing with 1,000 or 2,000 people, that's like doing 20 100-person events in one. So everything and in the interaction condenses so you get to see a lot of unusual behavior and you get to see a lot of exceptional behavior so you learn a lot on what makes some people tick you learn on you know certain behaviors you want to be careful of um, it's just an interesting thing uh, that you learn if you're paying attention to the signs and i know you know sometimes i'll warn you about someone in a behavior and you might be like okay and then later on it'll pan out and um, you might be like how did he know about that it's from living through that situation and having, um, um, you know, just memory, what do they call it? Muscle memory, mind memory of, of yeah. scenarios. No, it, make, it makes sense. It's just, uh, yeah, it's obviously it's hard to beat experience <laughs> no matter how many books and how many courses you take and how much you read. I'm sure experience definitely help, helps trump all of that. Katie, said, uh, Katie had a saying during her Biz Women Rock day. She had a, a guest. I forgot the guest, but it was such a great saying. The greatest personal development course is starting a business and having to deal with people, employees, contractors, and the public. And there's no greater personal development course than that because you have to build skills that you probably didn't have or you have to develop in order to succeed. No, it makes sense. No, I, I love it. And uh I mean, yeah, I went to University of Oregon and uh, they, you know, part of the business program and business school is that, uh, you know, they have you do business simulations, um, talk about, oh, let's run a simulation here. But at uh, Oregon State, um, I heard that they say, 
okay, come up with a business plan and start selling it and see what happens. And like, that's, <laughs> that's as real world as it gets. And sometimes people make $20, sometimes people make $20,000. Um, and so it's definitely exciting to just be thrown into the fire. But I agree. It's just, uh, if you want to get into the events business, throw events. If you want to be a speaker, start speaking. If you want to be a coach, start coaching. And so just, uh, I love the importance, like what she said, throw yourself in the fire. Um, and so to kind of piggyback off of that, uh, obviously spent a lot of time with incredible people and, uh, and, and part of interacting with thousands of people is you get to help pick out, oh, these are some of the best, the best people I want to associate myself with and spend time with. So tell us who, who are some of your mentors and inspirations and how'd you come across them? Um, one of the, I have a lot of great mentors and inspirations because like you said, I've met so many great people. Uh, one of them, usually I value the people that value family because I, I don't, you don't realize this. Some, some people realize it. I didn't realize it till I was older, growing up in a, in a big Greek family with extended cousins and relatives, you have a family structure that is, um, very supportive. Sometimes it could be dysfunctional, like everybody will tell you that, you know, there's some there's some kind of dysfunction, but a loving, dysfunction. <laughs> yeah, there's always right. But a loving, a loving if there's love underlying there, and I grew up in, in homes full of love, not only my home, my aunt's home, my aunts, I should say. Um I created an environment through my events, and I remember one gentleman, his name was Jerry. He would come to the event, he was 72 years old, he'd come to my weekly meetups. And he didn't, he had all the money he needed. And I think he just wanted to be around other people. Um, he had just lost his second wife. And I remember at one point he went to Italy and he had just bought a brand new iPad. And back then, if you had the first run of iPads, people wanted to see him. They were cool. And I remember him sharing pictures on his iPad and everybody wanted to see him of him going through Europe. And one day he invited Katie and I out to dinner because he really loved us as a couple. And he told, he showed her those pictures in Italy and he told Katie, he goes, you know, I love my second wife. I love every day with her. And he goes, um, I went to Italy and I retraced every place we sat. So he would take a picture at the park bench that he was with, with his wife. Before she died. So um, he became a great inspiration because he told us how much he loved his second wife how great their relationship was, but they worked on it and they would talk about things every day. Um, he passed away and oddly enough, um, I saw his granddaughter. He had a granddaughter that he loved dearly. She was a nurse and he would she would visit him, see how he's doing. And he told me, he goes, when I'm gone, she's getting everything. I love her, you know, she's, she's my everything. And she posted on Facebook, somehow she knew someone from PodFest. So we were connected as friends outside of him. And I saw that he passed. So I sent her a message. I said, I just want to let you know, you were your grandfather's favorite um, and he loved you dearly. And she said, you know, you were one of the 12 numbers he left behind to call uh, if anything should happen to him. So, you know, th those are the those are the relationships that I built uh, over a decade of service and community that, you know, you don't even see it's it's in, it's in the noise, but not to me, obviously, but it. He was someone that would show up just to be around other people. So you realize that we're just part of this huge ant colony. Hmm. We all need a future to live into, but being kind to one another and sharing experiences and uh, supporting one another to me is a huge value. And I always love Jerry for that. No, that's such a wonderful story. I definitely, uh, 
definitely was tearing up a little bit there. She would have kept talking about it. You definitely would have seen some uh, tears flowing. So it's very, very powerful. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's such a great story of someone who inspires you. Um, my next question is, uh, as you're around all these incredible people with like incredible businesses and relationships and, and, and things like that, how do you help battle imposter syndrome? I know that's one of the, the top things that uh, people struggle with nowadays. Like, geez, do I deserve this loving relationship? Do I deserve these wonderful kids? Do I deserve this business success? H how do you help uh, navigate that? So that's not nowadays. That's always gone on. People love to compare themselves to other people and love to think like, I'm not there yet. I'm less than. And those are very um, limiting beliefs that pop up. So you need to kind of, you know, the stoicism or Buddhism, you need to know that you are where you need to be, that you're doing great work, and you need to believe in your mission. So um, not everybody's going to be Elon Musk. He's there for a reason doing what he's doing. Uh, not everybody's going to be Mother Teresa. So I would just say um, compare, compare, comparing yourself to other people steals your joy. So uh, I would find... I would find the happiness in what you're doing and try and quiet the mind and not allow your subconscious to steal your joy. And if you could do that, then you need to talk to yourself and get yourself out of that thought pattern. And like I said, for me, I walk and talk. So I'm able to program my subconscious by, by thinking out loud. When I do that, I'm at my best. I'm focused on the positives and what is. But I, d I do find we have to be careful of better than, bigger. Certain words are the ego's way of trying to feel better. And um, it doesn't do any good. No, that, that makes sense. Uh, and uh, do, you have, do you have like any like go-to people that you talk to when you're going through this? Or is it like a go-to like journal entry you have or like exercise that you do besides walking? Like you like do a bunch of push-ups Cause I, I think I heard that, uh, I think Bill Gates at one point too, like whenever he told himself he couldn't do something, he did a push-up for every no he heard in his mind or something like that. Anything you do like that? Yeah, no, everything works for everybody different ways. For me, it would be walking and talking. So a walk by myself, talking things out loud. Um, so if most people like I need a quiet space for me, it's like, no, no, if I walk and I get into a rhythm, then I start talking to myself. I'm able to think outside of my head and see my thoughts because I'm a visual person. And then I could figure out um, kind of where I want to go and what's going on. Oh, it makes sense. I love that. Well, as we're uh, wrapping up here, I have a few more questions. Uh, Chris, tell us what's the next end game or end games you're working on, you know, being a visionary, being a, a groundbreaker. What, what are some of the next end game parentheses S are you working on? <laughs> well, you know, PodFest 10 year anniversary, that's going to be huge. So we're working on that uh, really exciting start to it. We're, we're, we're looking like it might be a record crowd for us. So we're really excited about that. As far as, me personally, I'm uh, I'm building an aviary, so I'm looking to build an aviary in the back of my house, and that's where, you know, I could keep some songbirds or you know just some more more of a hobby. I do a lot of wildlife. Like right now, I don't know if you know this, Andrew. I don't know if I told you, but there's flamingos in Florida because of the hurricane. It blew 50 <laughs> flamingo flamingos. What? They, got, they went off the Yucatan. They got lost in the jet stream, and they're now. <laughs> Florida, so they're, they're Pinellas County. So 
want to check that off the list that I saw Flamingo in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, do more wildlife adventures. I, I really like uh, going out into places most people would not feel comfortable, but I'll go um, into places and explore like the Everglades. And sometimes when you're hiking in the Everglades, some of those trails are underwater. So you just have to be careful. Yeah. Have you gotten close to any danger with uh, any Everglades uh, interactions at all? I was with someone once and they stepped on a rattlesnake. So I pushed them off of it once. But it wasn't. um, Florida doesn't have. uh, It's really weird. Florida has the largest rattlesnake in America and the smallest. So it was a pygmy rattlesnake. So luckily it wasn't big enough to coil but i remember seeing and i was i pushed i was like what are you doing and i pushed them off they weren't looking where, where they're walking certain trails you have to look down as much as you look forward and up oh my gosh that's so cool um and the last few questions uh what are the non-negotiable actions as an entrepreneur to be successful in your opinion um you can't have a backup plan you, you like i'm not a big proponent of like oh when this if this doesn't happen i'm going to do this you kind of have to burn all bridges. So that's a big deal to entrepreneurship. Um, you need to have a vision of what you want to live into and you need to have a way to adjust your vision. So you can't be so this, you will see this on like shows like Shark Tank. You could see it like you and I are watching the show or whoever, we're all watching the show. We're like, wow, that person's not going to succeed because they're not even listening to the market feedback they're getting. Now, I'm not saying they should listen to the sharks every time, but when they're all saying certain things and it seems like they know a little bit about a market, you got to be able to listen and adjust. Um, that way you could get to where you want to go. Oh, I love it. Some people and, would say you have to start ugly. <laughs> oh, yes. You definitely want to start ugly. And, and for those listening in too, Chris actually wrote a book called da, 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 Start Ugly. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, Thank you for the plug. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> So definitely check it out on Amazon. Um, and I believe that book uh, allowed Chris to be able to travel the country, give a bunch of speeches. I've read the book. It's about a 20, 30 minute read. And so I definitely recommend checking it out. Start Ugly on, on Amazon. Um, de- definitely highly recommend it. And, um, and so la- last few questions is, uh, yeah, you know, when you wake up each day, what, what gets you fired up the most about, about the day? Uh, I'm working on that because I'm not a wake up guy, but I am, <laughs> I, I am excited for... Um, you know, it's funny when you and I write an email and it's a good one. I'm fired up to see like the results of that. Um, usually I'm fired up to go outside because right now the weather is really good in Florida. Um, it's not as hot as it once was. So just to feel the warm sun on the skin uh, gets me really excited because it's so beautiful out. Uh, so that's that's one thing. And and have my coffee in the morning and, and head to the office. No, I love it. I love it. And then the last two questions are what's how can we uh, best contact you and get a hold of you? If people want to learn more about you and connect with the legendary Chris Kermitzos. Yeah, I don't know about legendary, but Chris at podfestexpo.com or just on Facebook um, and any of the social platforms. I'm pretty much on all of them. All right, perfect. And then uh, what's the one takeaway you want someone to have with this interview today? Uh, it's kind of like a painting I have in my house. I always tell people, keep your feet on the ground, your eyes on the stars. Um, you should always be looking at, I, I just watched Blue Zones. Um, there's a Netflix special about the book and Blue Zones are where people live to 100 plus years old. Um, one of the things that was consistent besides the, the food, the health, it's not processed, you know, all the things that we think of. But one of the things he mentioned is they always, they, they had a mission. So like the, the centenarians in Costa Rica, the one guy was still cattle. He was 100 years old riding a horse, 
herding the cattle every morning. Uh, you know, or the, the people in Greece, they were, you know, preparing meals, like they were farming. So having a, a future to live into, and it could be as simple as, I'll give you an example. Let's say you're retired and, and there, this happens a lot. A lot of people lose their juice when they get retired. They don't have anything to do. Well, if you picked up a hobby like birding, I don't know if you know how obsessive birders are about um, getting the, their species on the list. It's like a big deal, the list. Have, that's a future to live into. It's a reason to get up in the morning and do something. So if you could find whatever that is, as simple as it might be, um, that is actually foundational to the quality of life you're going to have. Well, I, I love it. Keep your feet on the ground and your head in the stars. Well, well, eyes the... on the stars because if oh. your head's in the star, it's going to explode because it's going to hit the star. <laughs> yeah, eyes, eyes, on the eyes on the stars. Eyes on the stars. All right. Uh, well, thank you again for, the, for an incredible episode, and uh, thank you all for listening in. We'll see you next time for another episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss, and uh, we'll see you all then. Cheers, everyone. Thanks, Andrew.